while police photographing our license plate. What are we doing for veterans returning home damaged physically and mentally, suffering from depression, homelessness, and suicide? Why did the Supreme Court deposit corporate money into our electoral process? Should we redefine middle class as working poor? Or is it just another Wall Street merger? What's really behind new voter picture ID laws in certain states? Why aren't NBC, ABC, CBS, and Fox asking these questions? Welcome to the Reasonable Voice radio show. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. The mission of the Reasonable Voice is to connect the dots between politics and finance, the need for better and more affordable education, our humanity, world peace, and, of course, the arts, which we then gladly provide our listeners, the voting public, as informative food for thought to provoke their self-determination and appetite for equal economic opportunity and justice for all without truth decay. The Reasonable Voices are advocates prioritizing education, preserving our history, leading by example for a peaceful and prosperous world by evoking and embracing both creative artists and political unity as solutions to our challenges. Good afternoon. This is the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio Program, and I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice. Understandably, we have been extremely preoccupied with our 2020 elections, the coronavirus COVID-19, or SARS-CoV-2, and our record-breaking West Coast wildfires, all prompting me to ask our reasonable voice today, Dr. Guy R. McPherson, to return and update us on the facts about climate change. By the way, I invited Dr. McPherson before California's Governor Newsom's laying the blame for California's raging fires on climate change. Our guest today, Guy McPherson, Ph.D., is an American scientist, professor emeritus of natural resources and ecology, and evolutionary biology professor emeritus of the University of Arizona. He is known for the idea of near-term human extinction, a term he coined about the likelihood of human extinction. Dr. McPherson is an author, most recently, of uh, Another Voice, Crying in the Wilderness, My Homage to Edward Abbey, in addition to at least 15 weather-related books and many, many articles and videos about climate change. He is a professor emeritus of conservation biology at the University of Arizona and a leading voice educating us about abrupt climate change. Dr. McPherson joins us today to remind us that nature bats last, meaning, among other things, we should be expecting abrupt climate change. Yet, this isn't a gloom and doom program today. And so we are happy to have the reasonable voice of Guy R. McPherson, Ph.D., with us today. Welcome back, Guy. How are you? Thank you, Marcello. It's a pleasure to chat with you again. I'm doing very well here in Central Florida, considering considering <laughs> yes, it all. Yes, exactly. So you're in Central Florida today. You always get around, I know. Yes, we moved here because my partner's father is ill, and she has a brother and a sister who live nearby. So we have pooled our familial resources, as it were, and brought her father to the Orlando area. 
and are dealing with things like getting medical tests yes. for dementia or maybe it's Alzheimer's. We don't know yet. So no. he's 87 years old and it seems it's time for the family to come together and start working towards his improved health. And so I'm, I'm along for the ride as it were. I understand. Been there as they say. All right. Um, both in Florida and dealing with um, Alzheimer's and, and dementia. Uh, well, first, Tell us, uh, Guy, about Edward Abbey and his well-documented criticism of public land policies. And what is it about that and him that prompted you to write Another Voice Crying in the Wilderness? I recently took a trip down the Colorado River through the Grand Canyon. It's something I had wanted to do for a very long time and I mentioned that with one of my recent videos this this by recent this goes back six or seven months so a faculty member at Arizona State University sent me an email message and said you want to go down the Grand Canyon and time is short so I'm gonna pay your way hmm and Thus did this faculty member from what is typically viewed as the opposing university. You remember I'm at the University of Arizona. Yes. She's at Arizona State University. So she <laughs> paid my expenses, and my partner and I made this trip. It was brutally hot. It was an unbelievable adventure. It was great. And in anticipation of that trip, I reread um, probably eight different Edward Abbey books, starting with his book, Down the River. Hmm. Down the River had inspired me for years, as did Edward Abbey for many years, and rereading those books that I had last read long ago, probably shortly after they came out in the 80s, mm -hmm. reminded me that it's time yet again to live with urgency, to take these adventures. So Abbey has been an inspiration for my life for a very long time, and I had this opportunity to reread many of his books in anticipation of this river trip, and that's that's what got me thinking ever more clearly about Edward Abbey and one of his best friends, the man who saw to his death, Doug mm. Peacock, who is now a friend of mine. And so the the combination of reading Edward Abbey books and reading Doug Peacock's latest works inspired me as I was taking that river trip to live as I've been trying to live these last few years, which is with urgency and with love in mind. I hear the takeaway there that, you know, life is precious. We've always known the very next moment is not guaranteed. Uh, associate of mine from time to time, politically, died of a heart attack in his sleep and surprised us all. He was younger than than most of us working with him. In any case, so we, we need to live life to its fullest. So, I know I alluded to the uh, statement that California's Governor Newsom made a few days ago. I had already called you, and then when he said that, I thought, okay, there's divine confirmation if I ever heard it. What's your your take? I mean, it's I, I, I knowing you and, and being very familiar with your works, it seems like a silly question to ask, but not everybody... You know, as I said earlier, we're preoccupied with a lot of distractions, understandably, these days. But what's your take on the governor's take 
connecting 2020 record-breaking wildfires to climate change? Because in the past, a lot of people have said, well, you can't point to just one event, but there isn't just one event going on even as we speak. But, 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 but could you couch your answer through the history of when and why you started your climate change wake-up call? Sure. You know, Governor Newsom's comment was, nature bats last, and she bats a thousand. And then he, he went on, and he set it up before then. And he was connecting the ongoing catastrophic fires in California and actually all along the West Coast with climate change. And he concluded by saying that climate change is here, that it's, at this point there's no denying the relationship between climate change, ongoing planetary warming, and these wildfires. And he's exactly right about that. In fact, I was writing many years ago and through relatively recently, within the last month or so, that even the New York Times... This is this goes back to July 1st, 2013. So more than seven years ago, the New York Times reported hotter, drier conditions leading to huge fires in Western North America as the new normal. That was the new normal seven years ago. Mm. And, you know, this is supported at this point by abundant peer-reviewed literature. It should come as no surprise to anybody at this point that we are living in a different kind of world than we grew up in, at least those of us who are our age and even quite a bit younger. The fact is that the planet has warmed, has warmed catastrophically, and that warming currently is beyond the point at which humans have ever been on the planet in the past. So Homo sapiens as a species are experiencing a completely different world than the one we have ever known. It should come as no surprise as a result that strange things are happening. And those strange things come in the form of catastrophic wildfires and a whole lot of other symptoms of abrupt, irreversible climate change. Okay. That's quite a comprehensive answer. I'm just uh, sitting here thinking, um, can you give us a couple of examples? Well, in addition to the fires, perhaps the most controversial and yet among the most commonly reported in scientific literature is the release of methane Mm. from two sources, the relatively shallow seabeds of the Arctic Ocean, the continental shelves in the Arctic Ocean, Mm -hmm. and also from on land, terrestrial permafrost. As the permafrost is melting under the influence of a warming planet, methane and carbon dioxide are both released. Methane is more than 100 times more powerful greenhouse gas than carbon dioxide, molecule for molecule. Mm. So a little bit of methane really goes a long way. And again, going back to 2013, Methane bubbling up from the seafloor of the Arctic Ocean had sufficient force to prevent sea ice from forming in that area. At the time, there were 
methane plumes 150 kilometers across observed by satellites. So methane is a big deal. It's a tremendously powerful greenhouse gas. It is popping up all over the place. And the more it warms, the more the potential there is for the release of methane. And mm. that's true both in the Arctic Ocean and on the nearby land masses. Mm -hmm. So those are some good examples. Another example, we have passed the 2C mark, 2C above the 1750 baseline. Yes, I was going to ask you about that. Tell us, if, before you talk specifically about the 2C mark, can you explain to us what the climate baseline is? I know you've done that before, but just to refresh people and new people as well. Yeah, at the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, which we typically peg at 1750, the global average temperature of the planet was about 13.5 degrees Celsius. Mm -hmm. So that's just 1.5 degrees Celsius above an ice age, by the way. So mm -hmm. it's a relatively cool planet at 13.5 C. And we were getting along great at 13.5 C. In fact, for the first time in the more than 300,000 year history of our species, Homo sapiens, within the last few thousand years, civilizations developed. And it seems that those civilizations developed because the planet was cool and that temperature was stable. And that combination of cool, stable temperatures allowed for humans to grow, store, and distribute grains at scale. Most mm. notably, corn, or what's called maize in most of the rest of the world, but mm. also wheat. And so, really, relatively recently, within the last few thousand years, we have had the ability to grow, store, and distribute grains at scale, something we never had before. What does that do for us? It allows us to get through the hard, through the hard times. It allows us to get through what otherwise would have been marked by famine, because people were unable to feed themselves. Now we've got a food source that can be stored for an extended period of time, up to a few years. That never happened before. That never happened before we had these cool, stable temperatures worldwide. Suddenly, civilizations marked by the ability to store these grains, suddenly they popped up for the first time a few thousand years ago all over the globe. Mm several times so obviously that leads to the kind of lives that we have today which are amazing and the downside to that is it allows us to get through the tough times so that means that we're no longer struggling to survive that our populations continue to grow that we continue to take advantage of technology as we talked before that's largely a one-way street once we've grabbed onto any form of technology, we tend to not let go, and that becomes the new normal. Mm. So once we had cell phones, everybody had to have a cell phone. Once we had a smartphone, then everybody had to have a smartphone and so on. It keeps going in the same direction. So, it, you know, it shouldn't come as a big surprise since we all greatly enjoy the privileges we have. It shouldn't come as a great surprise that those are all one-way streets, that mm. very few people are willing to give up something that seemingly everybody else has mm -hmm. just because it might make a dent in some form of justice in the world or anything like that. Yeah. So that's how we got here. 
All right. I'm, we're going to take a short break. This is, uh, as always, incredibly, and not just informative and valuable knowledge for us, but the way that Guy McPherson, PhD, is able to explain it, to break it down, it brings it down to an individual level. We have to face the fact that we are over-consumers, especially in America, but that we are doing it and there is a price. Uh, We're going to hear more about what that price is and what is the timeline in our second segment with Guy McPherson, Ph.D., our guest today. Stay with us, please. And now, another film rental discovery. Welcome to the Indie Film Minute. Imagine that one day another planet like ours should appear on the horizon. This is the setting for the surprisingly human, spare little story of Another Earth. Driving under the influence, young would-be astrophysicist Rhoda is distracted by sighting a new planet on the horizon. She collides with another car, killing the family of John Burroughs. Years later, upon her release from prison, Rhoda seeks redemption by visiting John's home, only to find a lonely, broken man. By now, it has been determined that the new planet is part of a parallel universe, an exact duplicate of our own, even peopled by our exact twins. However, when the two worlds interact, paths begin to diverge. Could it be possible to travel to the new planet? To take up a life not yet shattered by loss? Could Rhoda find absolution by starting over? Forget the preposterous science here and even the science fiction. The more intimate focus in another Earth is on the questions we ask ourselves every day. If I could begin again and do it right, what would I do? And, if I could step outside myself and take a good look, whom would I see? Indie Film Minute. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Welcome back to the Reasonable Voices News Talk Radio program. I'm your host, Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, and my guest today, Dr. Guy McPherson, Ph.D. We have been talking to him or listening to him about climate change. I don't think he, although I have mentioned it already today, but I don't think Guy has said the words abrupt climate change yet, but I'm sure he will in this second segment because I'm going to ask him, well, first of all, explain to us what aerosol masking is, and is there a connection between aerosol masking and COVID-19 or the environment and climate change for that matter? Yes, yes to all of the above. Mm. Aerosol masking is sometimes called global dimming, and there was a documentary, uh, basically a one-hour show on BBC, I think it was in 2005, Mm. about global dimming. And more recently, there have been several papers in the peer-reviewed literature that have come out documenting how important it is. And here's the thumbnail sketch. At the same time that industrial activity produces these greenhouse gases that most of us know about Mm -hmm. that that trap the heat, and and once the Earth is warmed, they hold that heat close to the planet. And these are greenhouse gases like carbon dioxide and methane that we've already talked about. At the same time industrial activity produces those greenhouse gases, industrial activity also produces these aerosols that go into the upper atmosphere The best known of them is sulfates associated with burning coal, especially, quote, unclean coal. Mm -hmm. And those sulfates 
and other aerosols go up into the upper atmosphere and act as something of an umbrella. They prevent the sun from even striking the earth, thereby warming it up. They act as something like umbrellas to prevent the light from even coming in to the lower atmosphere, striking the planet and warming it up. Mm-hmm. That's So the aerosol masking effect is those aerosols in the atmosphere, and they're constantly falling out of the atmosphere. If we reduce industrial activity by as little as 20%, that will cause sufficient number of these aerosols to fall out of the atmosphere that it will warm the planet one degree Celsius. That's a huge number, and it would occur within a matter of weeks. Now, I'm not saying that, that there would be a change that we would recognize within five or six weeks. Mm-hmm. Rather, the response of the plants and, and non-human animals on the planet would respond. Mm-hmm. And to tie this to COVID-19 as one example, the reduced industrial activity was noticeable and was marked first around Wuhan, where the coronavirus broke out, and then in India, and then in a large area in Eurasia, and finally in North America. Mm -hmm. And as a consequence, those aerosols fell out, and the warming proceeded apace. Other than noting in the weather records, and they were noted in the weather records around the world, this abrupt heating as a result of the loss of the aerosols. But there was no impact on us humans, Mm. no noticeable impact, Mm -hmm. because it hadn't worked its way through the plants and through the ecosystems yet. The coronavirus came at the exact right time, late winter, early spring. All the plants in the northern hemisphere were relying upon carbohydrate reserves from the previous fall. Mm-hmm. So all the perennial plants were allowed to regrow, the, the trees leafed out and so on. So we didn't really notice ecologically a huge impact. I think that's probably still coming. It could be as early as this fall that we have catastrophic grain crop failures and a whole bunch more dying trees than we're already seeing. Mm-hmm. That could happen. I don't want that to happen, obviously. But that could very well be one of the outcomes of the coronavirus that has been delayed as a result of ecological interactions rather than the instantaneous response that we're accustomed to in this high-tech lifestyle we now live. Wow, that's quite a uh, that's quite a mouthful. So, so the aerosol masking has been negatively impacted, and so have we. Only we don't feel it yet because it's working its way through our ecosystem. That's right. And to clarify a bit more, some people are feeling it already. There's a paper in Science Advances published on May 8th of this year, of 2020, and the paper is called The Emergence of Heat and Humidity Too Severe for Human Tolerance. Mm. And it describes, we've known for a long time that a, warmer planet is a wetter planet yes that makes it more humid and people are dying around the planet in tropical and subtropical regions because this increasingly warm planet has become warmer and more humid that's called lethal wet bulb temperatures and it leads to organ failure in humans it's already happening around the world according to this paper in science advances on may 8th 2020 so we're there we're starting to feel the impacts Mm. even as human beings as the clever animals we are 
it's already impacting us. It just hasn't had a tremendous impact here in North America due to our ability to turn on the air conditioning. Yes. But it's coming. I'm you, sad to say. You know, I th that was my very next question. I was going to, of course, admit the obvious. I'm, I'm not a regular reader of the publication Science Advances, but I know its impact is increasing. More people are becoming aware of it. And But is there any more you can tell us about? I mean, what is lethal wet bulb temperatures? Right. So if if you check the temperature in your area, the temperature that is given is a certain number, and then there's this feels-like temperature. Yes. So that feels-like temperature is often much higher than the current ambient temperature. Yes. So today, for example, it's forecast to be 90 degrees here in Orlando, in the Orlando area, and the feels-like temperature is going to be 102. That's a tremendous wow. difference. Wow, yes. And and that happens every day where you and I live, Marcello, oh. and many, many other people, obviously. And so if the, the lethal wet bulb temperature, organ failure, is imminent if you spend more than a couple of hours in these environmental conditions. And these conditions are, for example, 100 degrees Fahrenheit and 40% relative humidity feels like 109. Mm. Well at 100 degrees and 60% humidity, that feels like 130. Wow. You, can't, you cannot use a fan to blow that air off of you fast enough to cool you down at that temperature and humidity. It's lethal. In a few hours, your organs will begin to fail. And I actually observed this when I was living in Belize in Central America for a couple of years. I saw the people doing manual labor around me and including me, mm -hmm. so their their judgment was impaired, mm. and that's a that's a first sign of lethal wet bulb temperatures. Is people acting like they're drunk? They're unable to speak coherently. They're tripping and falling when they're in very good condition and young. They're carpenters, that sort of thing, and suddenly they're they're taking making these decisions that don't make any sense. Probably not even to them, because their organs are beginning to fail. So what we were able to do was jump in the pool on that property. But yes. some people don't have that option. And you have to be able to recognize it early on and try to take mitigative measures to deal with it. What about this uh, this past summer with all the 100-plus degree temperature? Certainly in the, the western third of the country, there were days and days. I mean, here on the East Coast, we were in the mid-90s quite a bit but they were triple digits out there a lot. Have we seen any example of lethal wet bulb temperatures or rather the effects of them? I suspect we have, and they have not been noted by the medical community because the medical community, has, this, this is uncommon so far. Mm -hmm. it's, it's not a diagnosis that anybody is going to give. Especially, because I guess, during the... It's not the... happening frequently enough, and there's so little known about it. That said, I have a friend who lives in the Toronto, Ontario, Canada region, and she's from Germany. Her father lived in Germany, and for the last several hundred years where he lived in Germany, they didn't need air conditioning, so they never had it. The hospitals didn't have it. 
she refers to his death as the first death she knows about as a result of lethal wet bulb temperatures because the temperature rose so much the medical community in that city in germany was unaware they didn't know how to deal with it Mm -hmm. and he died because of organ failure they attribute the death obviously to organ failure whether it was the kidneys or the liver whatever that's what they assign it to they don't assign it to lethal wet bulb temperatures as a result of the heat index okay i spent a great deal of time in germany by the way uh and so I know that I remember how cool the weather was, especially overnight in the middle of the Alps. And so I hear what you're saying, and I have relatives who live in California who do not have air conditioners and never have needed them before. So, but I think we started our show. I know Guy certainly did with uh, what are we doing that we wouldn't be doing. What is that old saying? Wake up, pretend it's the first day of the last day of your life or whatever. Make the most of it. I know I'm botching the the cliche, but um, <laughs> we that has always been your message is what I'm trying to get to. You've always said one of my favorite phrases, passionately pursuing a life of excellence. We need to live life. And for whatever time there is, we haven't put a time frame on it, but abrupt climate change. What do you mean by abrupt climate change? Okay. Historically, abrupt climate change meant heating of the planet over hundreds or thousands of years. But climate scientists have subsequently determined within the last few years that the climate sensitivity of Earth is much greater than originally believed. So now we talk about abrupt climate change, meaning catastrophic temperature rises within a matter of a few years mm-hmm. not within hundreds of years but within a matter of four five ten years mm-hmm. so that's what we're talking about is very abrupt rises in global average temperature way too fast for plants and animals to keep up with because the habitat changes and they remain in the same place or they try to go someplace else there's no habitat left Mm. That's where we're at right now, is losing habitat for human animals, just as many other species are losing habitat as well. Okay, well, the compressed answers are sometimes more difficult to to hear than uh, when we talk longer about it. But you know, I greatly appreciate all that you do. And you've been talking about this and writing about this for how long now? Oh, I don't even know. A long time. Long time, yes long time. All right. But back to the book, Another Voice Crying in the Wilderness, my homage to Edward Abbey. How do we get a copy? Okay. The fastest, easiest way to find all three copies of the book is to go to Mm woodthrushproductions.com. So that's all run together, woodthrushproductions.com. And right there at the top of the page is a is a tab called Another Voice Crying in the Wilderness. Mm. You can order it from Amazon, of course, in paper. And you can order it online at woodthrushproductions.com. You can get an autographed copy there. So you can tell us how you would like me to sign it, to whom you would like to inscribe it. And you get a paper copy that way. The Kindle version is available from Amazon, as is the paper version. The signed version is available at woodthrushproductions.com. Okay. 
and remind us all again at, uh, of your website and the, uh, some of the videos in particular that are there for us to see. Right. I'm at GuyMcPherson.com. It's called Nature Bats Last, but you just type in GuyMcPherson.com and it'll take you right there. Plenty of videos from presentations I've been delivering over the last several years and lots of writing and more recently videos almost every weekday dealing with the absurdity of the stock markets in the United States mm. and their response to things like a pandemic and abrupt irreversible climate change and everything else that seems to matter and the response that seems to be in the exact opposite direction of what I would expect it to be. Yes. All right then, sir. It has always been eye-opening, cold water in the face, a reality check, and also, I, I do believe sincerely, an offer. Whatever time there is left, let's make the most of it. Let's, uh, you know, and, and by that I mean, you know, don't go out and run up a lot of credit card bills and thinking you don't have to pay. I mean the way we treat each other, which seems to be at a very low ebb these days, but we try and reverse that. What what are your parting thoughts, Guy, on that or anything? Yeah, yes, let's just do the next right thing. At any given moment, there is before us a panoply of options. Let's do the next right thing, and let's keep doing the next right thing every minute, every hour, every day. That's all I've ever asked of people. That's all I've ever asked of myself. Mm. Sometimes it's a lot easier said than done, obviously, because we are, as Nietzsche wrote, all too human. Yes. But how could we go wrong over the long haul if we continue to do the next right thing for everything that comes along? That is exactly where we're going to leave it, and we so appreciate always Guy McPherson, Ph.D., for coming on the show and giving us updates about the planet and what we've done to it and uh, how we need to live our lives in the meantime. Thank you so much, Guy McPherson. We, uh, I just so appreciate all your work and your whole life has been about doing the right thing. How's that? Okay? Well, thank you, Marcello. It's always a pleasure to chat with you. Same here. All the best. Enjoy your trip. I know you have one coming up and all the best for uh, your partner's father and, and all that's going there, okay? Thank you very much. All right. Bye now. Welcome to the NDFL Minute. In 2006, an inconvenient truth told us that global warming was upon us, that it was caused by the actions of mankind, and that the consequences would be dire if we took no action. Ten years later, broad predictions have coalesced into horrific specifics, and climate change accelerates. Really? Who says so? Important, trustworthy people say so. Check out the eye-opening documentary, The Age of Consequences. These aren't our simultaneously lauded and vilified scientists talking, but important and thoughtful world leaders. Those who bear frontline burden. They must plan for our survival. One of the first countries to go underwater will be Bangladesh. This will be a flashpoint. Did you know there is already a fence surrounding the entire country for controlling the inevitable mass migration? Many of the biggest crises of our times, Syria, the Sudan, the failed Arab Spring and others, are already tied to climate change. With shocking imagery driving their points home, the predictions of these world leaders are grounded in grim reality. We at the Indie Film Minute are not political animals. 
We only watch movies and bring your attention to the good ones. This one is a powerful eye-opener. Watch it. You'll see. The Age of Consequences. Not in theaters. Discovery through rental. Hello, I'm Marcello Rolando, the Reasonable Voice, thanking you for joining us and becoming one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Well-meaning but self-protecting founding fathers created our Electoral College to maintain American election integrity by placing a protective shield of supervision, peopled by the one percenters of their day, wealthy, educated Caucasian property owners dedicated to saving our new nation and its one-person-one-vote exceptionalism from the potential danger of a largely unsophisticated populace who were vulnerable to their emotional whims. Our new and improved Electoral College has been officially finalizing the voting will of we the people, supposedly, from Thomas Jefferson's 1804 re-election until 2016, with the notable exception of the year 2000, when the U.S. Supreme Court hijacked this tradition by injecting the William H. Rehnquist Court and Sandra Day O'Connor's swing vote into a Floridian election hurricane full of attorney torpedoes blowing off the popular vote. Now, with 2020 hindsight and foresight combo, we can reclaim our vote by choosing our new American reality, as seen in the virtual around-the-nation vote to nominate Joe Biden and Kamala Harris, for in that virtual roll call we saw Lincoln's American dream, with all its diverse locations, attire, accents, and colors, proving, though sharply divided, we now stand at victory's precipice, mostly surviving. Two world wars, political assassinations, Watergate, trickle-down, and too-big-to-jail, Cheney-Wolfowitz forever oil wars, domestic terrorism, and police brutality, the whitewashing of backlash against our first black-looking president. If we realize we cannot truly rise above our self-inflicted failure and wars, nor surpass our largely missing-in-action contributions to slow the death rate of too many earthbound species, until we embrace the totality of harm climate change and Donald Trump have wrought upon planet Earth by admitting our responsibility for both. Even as an unfit president attempts to undo our Constitution, prescribing government by mob rules steeped in aggressive herd mentality, too akin to the fickle crowd of 1930s Germany and Italy, we must unite to save who and what we can be. By forgetting the reminders in the book Der Leader, held up in front of St. John's Episcopal Church, we, through him, mock the faith of our founding fathers, the hope in peaceful assembly, and our love for the rule of law, casting ourselves instead as bystanders witnessing a third of our nation celebrating a man of lawlessness. Even before the sacrifices of Valley Forge, Gettysburg, Seneca Falls, abolitionists who left behind suffragettes resembling Sojourner Truth, yet, like Stonewall rioters, heroes all, whose descendants now march for and with those who take a knee for people who have borne the knee of economic oppression, gender second-class citizenship, and racial degradation for centuries. Having arrived late to the cause of equal means equal, we, the paler majority, do now increasingly repel the self-serving evil intent 
in the dirty cash flow between corporatism's puppeteers and our current acting-at-government puppet-in-chief, electing to kidnap children from their parents and imprison them in cages, we invite the love-it-or-leave-it patriotic hypocrisy of law-and-order distortion candidates. America wins, however, when we make certain no American feels so unseen and unheard that feeling neglected will ever again elect indifference to our common good. Everyone is entitled to an abortion opinion, but not to emulate Nazi physicians by forcing abortions and unauthorized hysterectomies, as Trump appointees resettle refugees by inflicting ice brutality on asylum seekers. When projecting one's sins on others is your thing, the right leader labeling self-sacrificing uniformed Americans losers and suckers is right for you but wrong about America. 2020 voting is choosing between one, whose COVID-19 guidance we want, scientists and medical professionals, or non-Senate-approved unqualified political appointees releasing fake health reports to the public, uncoring Department of Health and Human Services Facebook rants. Two, a president happy about COVID-19 saving him from shaking the hands of his disgusting supporters, or educators refusing to allow DeVos and Trump-cloned governors to put schoolchildren in harm's way. Three, a Trump mega-donor sabotaging our U.S. Postal Service, or a federal judge ordering DeJoy to reverse his changes that slowed down our mail delivery for Republican political gain. Listen, with more than a million Americans turning to Mexico for less expensive COVID-19 medications and untreated sewage flowing from Tijuana under Trump's wall through Southern California, passing a United States SEALs training facility, corporatism's conservative Republicans aren't the only inside job we need expelled. Now, vote. Vote for those who oppose Trump's hypocritical faux fear of vote by mail and his desertion of over six million human COVID cases while secretly failing to death almost 200,000 human beings. Vote. Vote for who we thought we were before the McConnell, Barr, and Trump Republican Party. Vote. Because if our electoral college is the birth, isn't not voting for reason the curse enabling Trump's scourge on earth? Vote to finally be America the Beautiful to all. Thank you. And join us. Become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world. Thank you for continuing to listen to, support, and share the Reasonable Voice Blog Talk Radio with family and friends, especially online. We enjoy hearing from you, and in response, yes, we are now accepting new company and business advertisers and welcoming organizations seeking to be one of our sponsors. So please do continue to email us at thereasonablevoice at gmail.com. However, if you prefer to simply make a donation, your donations are greatly appreciated and can be made through PayPal by clicking on the donate button found at the top of the homepage of thereasonablevoice.com website. Thank you for joining us today to make every day as reasonable as possible. We hope you will download and share our downloadable podcasts. I'm Marcello Rolando, The Reasonable Voice, hoping you will become one of the reasonable voices heard round the world.